Now, that right there is a real Metal Dracula situation. I've never wanted to have sex with a pot pie, but like, I'd have sex with that pot pie. We're all weak to stepping on nails. Let me preface this by saying I wrote a script. Daytona Beach is like two mild inconveniences for being a post-apocalyptic wasteland anyway. So many of my tabs say semen. Are you guys ready for this weird horny adventure that we're all about to go on? You can't handcuff me for skanking. This motherfucker gaslights you. Diet Coke and Sorrow will be chapter four. And against all odds, Kyle, we became those squirrely weirdos. This whole podcast is a very negative mouthfeel. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right but someone is definitely wrong. And this time, in this time, we take show out of our busy adult <laughs> lives to talk about comic books, video. <laughs> Fuck it. In this timeline. <laughs> yep. In this timeline. Uh, in this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how Marissa Tomei's name is an anagram of "It's a Me, Mario." Shut up. Shut. Even, no. And do the math. And do can it. We talk about how she would have been a better casting choice for Mario than Chris Pratt. <laughs> Chris yeah. Pratt. I'm um, I saw that on Twitter. Right now. Do it. I. I. It took me. I did it. Um. He, Matt is literally as we. All right. I hate it. I up. hate that a lot. Right. Right. <laughs> It's great. Um, I saw that on Twitter like five days ago, and I was like, I have to put this in here somehow. Uh, it's great. Um, so anyone who knows me in real life or through the show at this point knows that I love a good JRPG. I don't have it. No. Yes. You? It's, it's the one thing. I, I meet a new person. I say, hello, my name is Andrew well, Henderson. I like Final Fantasy. The whole time? Yeah. Um, now, even more than just that, a good. I love a good JRPG with a litany of semi-related games with confusing naming conventions <laughs> that also happen to have multiple versions of the same entry that retcon older entries due to rough localization errors. You can't make us sit and listen to Kingdom Hearts again. We will not do it. <laughs> I'll quit this I think goddamn he is. podcast. That's what I think. That's what he's doing. We're not. So as it turns out, guys, the the peanut butter to the chocolate that is my love for Final Fantasy exists. In this world, and its name, its name is Ease. That is spelled Y S. I was gonna ask, how is that spelled? Yeah, it's Y S. Ease. Do you do you have the scoop on the Y, or is it Ease? It's 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 like geese without the G. Ease. Ease. Okay. Geese without the G. Right. Uh, East is a series of action RPG games that has actually existed since 1987, which is, I think, the same year or within the same year that both the original Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest were released. Um, Hmm. People who are into JRPGs would know that Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest are basically considered like the granddaddies of JRPGs. So this is there. This is was was right at the beginning, right at the ground floor. Um, uh, Dragon Quest was eighty six. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm I'm Google. You're good. You're good. Thank I'm you. Google checking you as you make these wild yeah, claims. It. These wild claims. Um, I think fi- the original Final Fantasy was eighty seven, but the localization might have been eighty nine. Final Fantasy was eighty seven, and I'm not. Nice. I'm digging too much through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eighty nine looks like. Um, an American release. So cool. There you go. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, before we dive into this, uh, as always, I want to f- I want to first thank uh, the commissioner of this episode, longtime member of Butthwomp Nation, Master Specter, um, who, in addition to last month's Homestar Runner episode, also commissioned this one as a, as a two P. And uh, and interestingly enough, they reached out to me 
most of the the ones that we do, like for example, when we did One Piece for Kyle's brother, it was like, hey, I don't I don't know what this is. Like, tell me, like, can you kind of break this down for me? Um, Master Spectre reached out to me and said personally, like, they requested this one because they love East so much. Oh, um, okay. Oh wow. And, and like, yeah, and like, literally, just like wanted to share it with our listeners, which I thought was like so absolutely cool. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But like, let me say, like, this is maybe the most sincere thing I've said in this ent- the entire run of this podcast. I am so glad to have gotten this assignment because, oh my god, I love this series. This series, like, <laughs> this was this was so much fun. I am I am all the way the hell in on, and, and, on East. And you had I, maybe you've already said this. Maybe you're going to say it in a minute. You had not been zero percent. Okay. Yeah. Zero percent. It was pretty fun to watch IRL Andrew go from, oh, God, I've got to go home and play a yeast game to, yep. all right, shut up. I'm going to go home and play a yeast game now. <laughs> yeah. Um. We'll get into it, but I have I have since that time finished two of them. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. wow. And these are JRPGs. It's <laughs> like 300 hours. I was going to say, how many hours we'll did that entail? A little bit different. Uh, sporadically different. We'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. Before we get into it, I do want to state, so anybody who hasn't le- heard last week's episode um may not know we have all we have changed our patreon obviously the monthly monthly flavor text is is 100 supported by in uh yeah supported by our patreon um and we have changed up our tiers so if you don't already know i'm gonna quickly just update uh so give me 30 seconds listeners dear listener uh (laughs) we have three tiers of, of support for our Patreon. So the first thing you have to understand or first thing you have to know is we are getting rid of our, our $2 tier. Um, that it previously was just the Discord server tier. In its place, we are making the $5 Butthwomp Nation tier the bread and butter Patreon, debate this Patreon. So with, with, the, with Butthwomp Nation, with $5 a month, you will get all of the content you already were getting. That's the premium feed, that's the Discord server. That's the live recordings of the Pluses Loose when they come out. Um, that is not changing. The only thing that's changing is we are getting rid of the $2 tier. Um, we are also really excited. We're going to be adding two more tiers. We're going to be adding a $10 monthly tier called Filibuster Sword, which is adding... gets me every time. It's great. Yeah. It's so great. Um, we are adding director's commentary tracks essentially uh hosted exclusively through patreon and as of this recording we just tried this out yesterday for the first time i think it was pretty it broke pretty well it was great success yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, so basically promising concept absolutely um so basically that that here's how that works so the what we're calling the director's commentary is extended good vibes uh we are every debate this episode we're going to keep recording 10 15 minutes and we'll talk about behind the scenes stuff so last time we talked about you know what are all the scrapped ideas so you get to hear me talk about how i wanted to talk about bradley whitford and get out because i love <laughs> get out a very 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 good movie the third tier is this is probably the biggest change is anyone who's commissioned a flavor text will know that historically we've been doing a one-time $50 charge for flavor text. So that is going away. In its place is we're doing a $25 monthly tier. So instead of just paying $50 one time uh, and then bumping off and going back down to the $5, instead we're asking people to stay on the $25 uh, tier for three months. 
Once you're on there for three months, you'll get a, you'll get access to uh, commission of flavor text. Um, that will help us kind of parse out our backlog a little bit because surprise, we're we still have a queue for for flavor text. So we're we're working through it. Um, in addition to that, though, you will also get access to other exclusive content that will also be hosted through Patreon. Uh, through some means, we full disclosure, we don't know yet what the technicality is on that, so we will keep you posted. Um, most notably, though, that will be movie watch-alongs. We've been getting a lot of questions about this late, uh, from our listeners, um, and we want to be able to uh, do, some, do some fun kind of community building stuff. And we thought a movie watch-along would be pretty fun, something that we'll do with a small group, um, very, very exclusive. We can't put the, obviously, like, because of DCMA, we can't put that out in the general public. But that's something that we could, you know, we could stream it on Discord or something like that. Um, Matt has signed up to do a very similar to the McElroy's Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 <laughs> annual Thanksgiving a thon. Matt has signed up to do a an annual Nick Cage Ghost Rider. I want to be uh, clear that along. I have zero recollection about agreeing to do that. I will do it. I'm agreeing yeah. to it right now, but I don't it remember was, talking about it. We all heard Matt, it, Matt. For, for what it's yeah. worth, you brought it up. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that makes more <laughs> you sense. You did then. bring it up. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're super pumped about that. Um, last thing. Because it's Spooktacular Express. Hey, welcome. It's Spooktacular Express. I didn't say that before. Because it's Spooktacular Express, we are offering for a limited time. If you get in, if you get on on the ground floor, it, anybody that uh, either joins our Patreon or bumps up to a new tier will, during the month of October, will also get an exclusive limited edition Halloween edition of our Debate This sticker. That is in addition to the existing stickers that we're going to be sending out already for Patreons that have already subscribed as of uh, October 1st. So if you are listening to this and you are already a patron, one, thank you. Two, you can expect to get a new, a brand new debate this th- sticker and a Buckwamp Nation sticker coming in the mail. We will be reaching out to you individually for addresses. If you're not already a Patreon, um, I highly recommend that you consider checking us out at patreon.com slash debate this cast. If you get in at the, at least at the, at, 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 at least the $5 tier, you will have access to the premium feed, which includes the office drones, which may I add, we're, I'm very excited about because we just started our anime inspired <laughs> tournament arc. Um, you will also have access to our exclusive discord server. You will also have access to live recordings of the plus is loose. And of course, if you get in during October, you'll get that extra special limited edition Halloween sticker. Um, Anything else to add, guys? There is also going to be a special patron-only Halloween one-shot coming out on Halloween to that $5 tier bonus feed. So if you needed another motivation, I don't know what word I was looking for there, but if you needed (laughs) another reason to get in on the Patreon... Incentive incentive kyle you genius if you needed another incentive to join the patreon this month there's also going to be a special halloween one shot for the five dollar tier bonus feed awesome all right we're worth it give us money much like every so to quote any other podcaster let's get into it (laughs) as always i'm joined today by my loyal crewmates and forever party members matt Kathew Cole, <laughs> Todd, like Todd Keith the Demon Thomas. Mm, I like that and, a little more. <laughs> that's amazing. And Kyle Dark Fact Harper. 
That's what they call me. <laughs> Gents, <laughs> let's sail directly towards the raging storm wall that is the massive world of East. And as we always do, we're going to start by going around the horn to talk about any of our prior knowledge. And I have literally in my notes, LOLOLOL, because I know for a fact it's, that none of the four of us even knew what this thing was. Am I, is that correct? It's none. Uh, I, I was convinced until two months ago that, I, not, you're not even convinced, I was under the impression until about two months ago that this was a manga or comic book series and not a series of JRPG games at all. So I'm absolutely lost entirely. Yeah, what I yeah. know is what you've told me, which is nothing. Um, yep. I know that Y can sometimes be a vowel. Mm. That's, that's it. Good. That's a good start. That's yeah. that's, <laughs> um, I would even go so far to say that when you shared that it was multiple games long, I was pretty taken back because it seems surprising to have never heard of this series before. Yes. Yeah. It has multiple installments. Amazing. And and from what you said, uh, spoiler, like good and the music goes as hard as it does it that sort of tracks though because until super smash bros melee no one in the no one in america knew what fire emblem was except for the 12 people who the difference though yes but the difference though and this is what blows my mind is that the first two games were um released internationally Oh, oh wow. And that's even okay. different than Final Fantasy, which as we were talking about earlier, Final Fantasy didn't get a localization until two years later, and a lot of the earlier games were never released in the US. Uh East One and Two were were released across all like all audiences, like all, pretty close together almost immediately after the Japan releases. So it's it, it is absolutely amazing that this never took off and, and a lot of people mm-hmm. like myself included, like I you know, again, like I like JRPGs. I like to think of myself as someone who knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Had heard of this in name only, um, just from some people talking about it. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I absolutely blown away. Um, so w- what is these? Um, I have here my, you know, my, my kind of my headline for this is if the MCU was a JRPG series. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Andrew, real Which, quick before you mm-hmm. get started. I don't know if we have ever covered this on the podcast before, but for people who may not know, do you want to just define what a JRPG is real quick? Oh, yeah, that's a good mm. call. Um, Japanese RPG. So uh, by, <laughs> no by definition, <laughs> yeah, no further explanation. That's it. Um, by definition, uh, an RP, technically an RPG that is developed uh, by Japan, but, but there's probably more to it than that. Um, in the 80s, you know, D&D had just gotten kicked off, started off, and high fantasy was everywhere, right? And you've got kind of there's this, this the world of RPGs was very, very small, very, very niche, very, very, very particular audience. Um, Western RPGs, for the most part, were in those times text-based, mostly, and incredibly crunchy and, you know, very much like Matt always does the joke like, look door <laughs> or yeah. you know, get flashed. I mean, like, it's prime that. example, King's Quest. King's Quest, King's Quest. or any of the yep. space... Any exactly. Sierra game, I think, yep. is mm-hmm. probably the first major RPGs in the States. Exactly. And and RPGs as a whole were um, nearly exclusively, very, very, very heavily reliant on the PC world because consoles were... It was Mario. You know I mean? that You didn't see... Until Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest, you 
uh, or Dragon Warrior, which was until and then changed the Dragon Quest. You didn't really see anything like that on on consoles. Um, with Japan, it was a little bit different because uh, their an- RPGs and fantasy was a lot more mainstream because of anime. Um, so you had these big influences like Akira Toriyama, and um, we've talked about. Um, Studio Ghibli, right? Like these are both like incredible influences that went mainstream that that really, you know, got pop kind of popularized high fantasy and especially in animation. Um Kira Toriyama was famously connected to Dragon Quest and Dragon Warrior, which is what it was called. Um so that, you know, that became super popular. Um but the the JRPG as genre in itself has obviously changed a lot over the years. Um these it's funny because like we've always made the joke that like it's basically like fighting god with the power of friendship this is not that like i want to be very Ooh, clear like we're not no. okay yeah <laughs> subverting expectations <laughs> now that i've got your attention um yeah we're not fighting god with the power of friendship this is um this is very different um it's still high fantasy it's still very anime inspired but but it's it's not we're not we're not norton <laughs> we got we got no norths I and would it be straight up I, thought you were making an antivirus joke, and I was like, "What, Norton? <laughs> I don't get it." What we're does not that Norton. We're not um, saying Norton. Andrew, would it be safe to say then that where where maybe Western RPGs grew out of like Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop games, JRPGs grew out of um, manga and anime? Then I I think that is a safe assumption. Although I will I will say. There is a lot of D and D DNA sure. I mean, in these game in this game specifically. There are okay. only so many ways to yep. cr- to crunch stats. Um, there are and- only so many dragons. Yeah. So <laughs> okay, okay, um, okay. So what is these? Like we talked about, this is a massive JRPG series. Believe it or not, this stretches across thirty plus years and nearly twenty games oh between. My. Holy That's shit. like wow. one fifth of the Bomberman franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, between between mainline entries, remakes, remasters, side guide end games, there's a lot. Um, the series, much like Bomberman until 2012, the series was created and is still owned by the same developer, Japanese created, uh, Japanese developer Nihon Falcom. Um, have you guys heard of Neon Falcom before? Because I hadn't. No, no. it's my favorite rules. It's yeah. my favorite F Zero racer. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> right. um, so we, we talked about you know this came out. The original East came out in 1987, and it, it is it was always in Japan, kind of put on the same level as Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Um, this franchise definitely skewed more toward PC players and has for a long time, whereas Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest were definitely more consoles. But unlike those games, you've heard me talk about Final Fantasy, they're all individual stories. Dragon Quest, same thing. They're all individual stories that kind of, you know, are, are loosely related, have similar themes. The East games are actually one coherent storyline. Whoa. Whoa. Amazing. Not only that, it is one protagonist, and it is like his journeys in a series of just a couple of years. Oh, dang. Okay. Incredible. Like yeah. a, we're doing James Bond here. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that, and and much like much like James Bond, you've got this this again. You've got one major protagonist that is tying through all of these isolated stories. So, 
honestly, I mean, there's a lot of Legend of Zelda inspiration here, but I would go farther to argue like Legend of Zelda is not really also really like that because it's different links every time. This is like if Link was the same person each time. So you're so each game is going to be like its own isolated story, but you know, it might reference like a big bad that came from three, you know, three games ago, which is why I say like really think of this like the MCU. Um you've got you've got your main character, you've got your Tony Stark, but like, you know, Tony Stark's going to fall going to go up against a big bad and and get, and kill him at the end of the day, but like you might that big bad works for another big bad that we won't see again for four games. Wow. So is is the closest super popular analog then story-wise like Metroid is where that's a um, continuous story with the same main character yeah, and, re- I, and okay. references itself but yes, I, I think you're, I I see where you're coming, where you're going. We'll get we'll 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 je- we'll dive in. The, sure. Much, I mean, obviously, it's, more it's like, different, but yeah, obviously, it's different. Um, the stories are definitely less about the protagonist and more like you're watching the story play through their eyes. Okay. Um, let's let's jump in. So, uh, we've got as we always do with our flavor texts. Um, there is an imager gal- imager gallery. Excuse me. Um, go ahead if you're if you're listening at home and you do have and you have access to a computer and you're not driving, please uh, click the link in the show notes and you can follow along. I will do my best to um, number things as we go along. Uh, for the for my my three co-hosts here, go ahead and pop open. Look at images one and two. This is our main unifying force. This is our main protagonist, our good good silent anime sword boy. <laughs> At all, Christian. There is nothing not, defining not, about this person. It, yeah, not not Roy. This is not, not Roy. Yeah, I was gonna say this you is, can tell me this was. This looks like it's from Fire Emblem. It, not yeah, in a bad way. Just it's. Yep. He's a he's a, he's a good good sword boy. Yep. Yep. Um, at all, Christian. His most defining trait is that he's got fiery red hair. There you go. He, he sure he sure has that. <laughs> he sure does. Um, Adol is a self-described adventurer, and and what's what's inter- what's cool about Adol is Adol lives in a world where this isn't a thing. So you know, in, <laughs> it, he is he is like an explorer in the most pure like Lord of the Rings Frodo sense, you know. But he's like, I want to see the world, blah blah blah. But like everyone's like, there there are monsters out there. Like you're you're gonna die. <laughs> like. It, this doesn't exist. Like that's not that's not real. He doesn't. You know, everyone's like he'll he'll make people will make comments like what do you, but but yeah, but like what do you do for work? <laughs> He's like the van life hippie. He's like the van yeah. life hippie of his yeah. world. He is. He's, yeah. He is. He is. He is a nomad. He's a he's a he's a D and D murder hobo. Um, at all, much like any D and D character, he grew up in a small village of modest means, and uh, you know, he didn't. His village wasn't attacked or anything, but. He uh, he grew up listening to stories about you know fascinating worlds, mystical worlds, far off worlds from his father, who also taught him how to wield a sword. Sure. Um, so at the age of sixteen, Adol just said like peace and set off on a journey just to explore the world, um, to, without like a dime in his pocket. He just was like, <laughs> "Yep, I'm leaving," and and his parents are like, "All right, see ya." Taking a um, gap year to backpack around Europe. A, a sword it's on basically, my hip. Yeah. I'm going to explore the world. I mean I that's not far off. This is basically it's a gap year. Um, so here's what's really cool is every East game, save for one, is actually like one entry in Adol's life journeys, like the his the records of his life journeys. 
Um, and they all take it. They all take place between the ages of 16 and 24. Dang. Amazing. Wow. Okay. Dude does a lot in eight years. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I think this is super fun. The series timeline, which like, if anybody's heard me talk about the Legend of Zelda timeline, just for a second, the Legend of Zelda timeline is absolutely fucking ridiculous. And and people that know me also know that I hate interconnected universes. I hate them <laughs> unless they make sense. This actually makes sense to be interconnected, and I dig it. Um, the series measures time in units of you know how like we have like A B C and A D. Um, time is measured in this series in B C or A C which is before Kristen and after Kristen. And I think that's wonderful. So like before the protagonist and after the protagonist, after the, after the birth of the protagonist, that's that's how star Wars does it. Is it like before and after Luke Skywalker, I believe Uh, before and after the events of a new hope. But yeah, Um, there's, that will make a little bit more sense as we there are there are now three different like creation myths that are a part of this lore um which is why it's like it's just funny to me that like we're talking about 10,000 BC 10,000 years before the birth of this one protagonist we're going to talk about <laughs> an entire game um so the the world of east um is interestingly enough is basically a mirror version of our own um it is high fantasy magic exists yada 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 but the actual world map is pretty much just a rip off of the real world um very very heavily inspired um so if you look at image 3 that is the uh that is the world of now it's going to be a little bit confusing because there is no name for this world um there are con- <laughs> there are names for the continents the world mm-hmm. of east the franchise is is incorrect to, because there is a place called East that is, that exists in this world, so I'm just going to say the world. Um, but as you can see, um, you're going to start to if you if you can zoom in if you're looking, and and image four is a zoom in uh, a zoomed in version of some of it. You'll start to see like there is a an Hispani Spain. <laughs> there, there's a Greek. Uh, there's the the Eurasia continent, which is just Eurasia. Rob. Um, Rom. <laughs> I think yeah. I can. I think I can shed some light on the Rom Rom yeah. situation here. Uh, the the continent of Eurasia, the continent of Africa. Amazing. Mm-hmm. The Alp, the singular um, Alp. <laughs> yeah, the just the the one Alp. Uh, the uh, what? Part, one of the things that I love is in the Eurasian continent. The northern part of the Eurasian continent is just called Europe. There's like fuck it, it's Europe. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Um, also, there are two moons. There's nothing like mm. narrative. There's nothing like that changes the world. Like the tides aren't different. It's just there are two moons and it's fun. Great. Uh, so in Adel's time, there are two warring superpowers. You've got the Roman Empire, but it's spelled R O M U N. Good. <laughs> hey, if and, you're going to uh, copy my homework, make sure you change it enough so they don't a little know. Bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you've got the Kingdom of Altago, uh, who controls the majority of the Afrocan continent. Um, yeah, it's the Roman Empire versus the Ottoman Empire. Yeah, cool, amazing. Yep. Um, so the games, the world started with just that Eurasian continent, and and mentions the Afroca, and then later in the series, it included. It said, "Hey, what about America?" So in Image Four, you get the full world map. Um, I think I flipped them in my notes. I'm gonna fix that um image four you get the full world map 
which shows the left-hand side. And instead of America, you just see a big old vortex. Um, <laughs> now, in this world, America was sunk into the ocean, much like it will be in 50 years from now. So, um, yeah. and, just this, and much like 50 years from now exists as a scary, magical vortex of doom. We're going to come back here in a bit. It's roughly where the Bermuda Triangle is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And there again, there is reason for that. Good. Great. Um, much like, and again, I'll make this comparison a few more times. Much like the MCU, the world of East, as the new games came out, expanded. After every new game introduced some different setting, again, like East One, Iron Man One, they weren't talking, they weren't planning on bringing in fucking Thanos. But after you know, after a couple movies, they're like, oh, okay, well, let's let's do this. So you're you get this situation where. You know, the original East game had all these MacGuffins that were just like, yeah, it's the magic sword or whatever. And then later was like, well, actually, that magic sword was based on a magical ore that came from this other continent, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's that it's that whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you, you've got a 30 year history of, you know, introducing new settings, retcons, also remakes that retcon things from newer games, recontextualizing everything. It's one we're doing. We're doing one of these. Um, but, but what makes this so interesting is that this game has done so many remakes now that it's actually de like decanonized a lot of its older games, which is okay. kind of fun. Okay. So we'll we'll talk hmm. about that. Um, and then I would be remiss if I didn't point out that these soundtracks are absolute bangers, absolute yeah. bangers. We mm-hmm. we did. You sent us some of those to prep. And they are in yeah. fact they do in fact rip real hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'll say uh, I played two I played two East games, both of which almost nearly to completion. Um, I played East Eight, um, and the the first like zone track it's called Sunshine Coastline, and it did not have to go nearly as hard as it did. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it did. Big, it's got big crush forty energy. Like nobody it, asked it you to, but I'm does. glad you did. Yeah, a lot of the boss themes definitely sound like better versions of Sonic Adventure tracks. Yeah, um, yeah. And they're all and they're all like that. Um, there's, you know, the, the that is something that this series is really known for. It's just it's, it's really really good soundtracks, and all of them are also available on Spotify. So there you go. So after you're done listening to all the near soundtracks, you can go <laughs> listen to this. Um, one more fun little just trivia anecdote. So anyone who's played these games, um, when you get a treasure chest and you get a special item, a key item in a treasure chest, there's a jingle that plays. This is me <laughs> putting time in for the jingle. That jingle sounds very much like another jingle from Metroid. It's not. It It's the same. Like, it's not. Yeah. yeah. It's just straight up. Yep, it's, it's just straight up the same. It's the same as fuck, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to a podcast, the uh, Fan Bites 99 Potions podcast, which if you like JRPGs, uh, RPGs in general, definitely check out 99 Potions. Fan Bite does a, a lot of good podcasts. Um, but uh, one of the co-hosts, uh, Imran, um, Imran Khan, pointed out that uh, I guess like the sound designer just was like he they, at one point was asked like hey what's the deal <laughs> and they were like yeah i just like this i like the song or i like the track so whatever cool you do copyright you. was much less stringently enforced when we made mm-hmm. this game yep it's so interesting too to listen to a soundtrack that was made for a pc game versus one that was made for the famicom 
Like there's yeah. just such a difference in audio quality between games mm-hmm. that came out at a really similar time. There super is. Um, okay. I want to quickly go through all of the games for East because before we get into the lore, because there are a lot of games here that, like I said, were decanonized and it will make sense to understand what games exist before we get into the, <clears throat> before we get into the nuts and bolts. So let's start off with the original game, East colon, Ancient East Vanished, Teal Day, Omen. <laughs> what? Conventions. So uh, okay. Ancient, East, Ancient East Vanished was originally released for custom Japanese computers um, in Japan in 1987, um, was then released as East the Vanished Omens for the Sega Master System and Europe and North America, and was also released for the Famicom. Um, and NES um, internationally. The NES and Famicom versions are definitely like ports. Like not, yeah. they are they are less than. Yeah, um, okay. The, the official version was what was released for computer systems. Um, originally, East was planned to, was actually split out into two games for memory. Um, it was originally supposed to be one inclusive, uh, but they released, they basically did a Sonic 3 and Knuckles and mm-hmm. released Ancient East Vanished as part one mm-hmm. and then released Ancient East Vanished, the final chapter one year later as part two. Um, so the quote official version of this game is the re-release that was set, that was put out for the Turbo Graphics in uh, 1989. I cannot okay. believe that the Famicom was even able to run a port of this in 1987. It's, I mean, you can look for, you can look up videos for differences. It is, it is vastly inferior. Yeah. I'm to sure be that. perfectly honest. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the, the game, man, this game, honestly, like I love this game. Um, this game, so this, there's been a few remasters. The most, uh, I would guess the, the, the now official, official, official remaster was uh, one that was released for Windows in 2009. That one is called East 1 and 2 Chronicles. And that had updated sprite work, but also um, remixed all of the tracks to be pre-recorded. Um, and that also said, hey, uh, what if every one of these tracks had screeching guitar solos and sounded like they were recorded <laughs> by Van Halen? So that's, that's what they did. Um, and I, so I played East 1. Uh, I... I started and finished it yesterday. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Dang. It took me about eight hours. So it's, okay. it's, not, it's not a very long game. Um, I also had a walkthrough because it's very fucky and because it's a game that was made in 1987. Yeah. Um, so here's the cool thing about East 1 and 2. It uses a system, this very unique battle mechanic that it's called the bump system. Um, let, me, let me also state, none of these games are turn-based RPGs. They are all action RPGs. So they handle much more. And action RPGs, like The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, mm-hmm. um, Kingdom Hearts, something like that. So you're, you're button mashing, you're, you're doing things, you're dodge rolling. Um, <laughs> you are, it's things not are turn-based. happening in real time. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so East 1 and 2, since it came out, has used this mechanic called the bump system. So what you do, you literally just like... Adol just runs and just like drives into enemies and you basically just play bumper cars. You just like truck your way through the whole map. And uh, if you hit them, if you hit them off, like off to the side, you do damage. But if you hit them directly on, you will have damage dealt to you. It's, Mm. it's really weird and kind of finicky, but honestly, like I got super into it. It's kind of fun. Um, Especially like, 
because there's a level cap. You only can get to level 10. And each level you get like so, so much more powerful. So the first time that I got like overpowered and was just like one-shotting everything was just like, oh shit. <laughs> just, like, I am just kind of, like, yeah, just like mowing down everything. It was, it was, it was much like if, uh, I know Todd knows this reference, like when you play Earthbound and you overlevel, Mm-hmm. And like you get to the point where you don't have to fight anything; they just run away. It's very you just much like crush that. everything you touch. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty fun. It's it's really interesting. Um, but you know, again, like you can definitely see the D and D roots there. Um, there's a lot of like note taking and like making sure you're remembering peoples and places and like taking hints and talking to every person because talking to this one person in the pub will give you the hint that like, oh, you need the silver sword in order to do damage to the final boss. Very, very old school Zelda kind of shit. Okay, mm. okay. So that's East 1 and 2. So the the official version, all of these games I should note too, you can get on Steam today. Oh, cool. So East, hmm. East 1 and 2 Chronicles, as of, as of today's recording, is uh, $4.50 on Steam. Oh, wow. There's okay. a 70% off sale. Hashtag not an ad. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so the next game is East 3, Wanderers from East. This was released for Japanese computers in the Master System in addition to TurboGrafx and the SNES for U.S. audiences. This game is really bad. Um, <laughs> it, changed, it changed to a side-scroller, much like Zelda 2 Adventure of Link, if anyone's played that. Oh, everybody's favorite Zelda mm-hmm. game. Yeah, exactly. No. Uh, and much like everyone's favorite East game, um, everybody hated it. It was super hard, and uh, it was the last East game that the U.S. would get for quite some time because of it. Ah, um, for what it's worth, the- I really like Zelda too. Me too. Mm. Yeah, but with a guide. Yeah, because- absolutely with a guide. Yeah. Haven't absolutely. played it with a guide. Yeah, I I also like Zelda too a lot. Um, this is the first to get officially decanonized, and it was replaced by its remake, East Oath and Felghana, which we'll talk about. Um, next we have East Four. Mask of the Sun, but wait, wait, what is that? Another East Four called the Dawn of East. That's right. There are two East Fours. Oh man! Oh, they're doing a Pokemon. It's a, it's Pokemon, uh, a Final Fantasy, a, a something. Uh, so the first one that I mentioned, Mask of the Sun, was originally released for the Super Famicom in 1993. Of course, uh, the Japanese version of the SNES, and then Dawn of East was released for PC Engine, which was just a PC PC system in uh, Japan in 1993. Um, these are both Japanese exclusive. Uh, so interestingly enough, so the original creators of East left Falcom or Neon Falcom after East 3. Um, Neon Falcom, instead of making a fourth East, they licensed two different developers to create two different versions of the same game, basically. Um, Mask of the Sun was developed by Japanese developer Tonkin House, which I had not heard of. Dawn of East was developed by Bomberman Daddy Hudson Soft. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them saw was ever localized, and both have been decanonized in favor of the third East Four, <laughs> <laughs> which is called Memories of Celsetta. Um, that said, until Memories of Celsetta, Mask of the Sun was the most true version of East Four, um, and they also had gone back to the bump system, um, which is the just run into enemies. Okay, I just love. I mean, obviously. Series that are around for three decades get to decanonize or canonize whatever they want to. Right. But I it's just totally really like right. the idea that they look back and like, not that one, mm. not that one. Right. This <laughs> one. Let's take another crack this is at the four. one. <laughs> like, they they're... um they actually re-released uh Mask of the Sun and uh or I'm sorry, they re-released Dawn of East and called it like it was like 
another world or East another world or something. Yeah. Like oh, that. nice. Really so funny. they did their mm-hmm. own yeast. What if? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Andrew is is mm-hmm. is it Cell Seta? Is that is that Calcutta? Is that a Calcutta analog? I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Great. I I, I it might be Calcutta. I, I don't know. Probably is. Now that you mention it. Um. Okay. We've got East Five. Kethin, the Lost City of Sand. Um, this was also re- released for the Super Famicom in 1995. Um, despite getting a remake for the PS2, though, in Japan in 2006, this game actually has still, to this day, never been localized in English. So this huh. is the Mother 3 of the East series. All right. Um, for the record, if we're doing our math right, and this came out in 95, you have somewhere between five and seven or eight different East games that have come out in eight years. That's right. Yeah. Dang. And you've never heard of a single one. No. no. <laughs> yep. Um, East 5 uh, got, did away with the bump system and replaced it with a much more common uh, links, link to the past style. So this was just top down, press button to sword swing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like a real game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A gentleman's uh, game. Like a gentleman's game. So we're not. That's all we're going to talk about with East Five. It is. A, it is still officially canon, but nobody knows what happens because it's never been localized. There are definitely like fan translations, but it ultimately doesn't really matter. So we're not going to talk about it. Okay, we've got East Six, the Ark of Nepishtim. Now this is a big one. This is the Avengers of the East franchise. Um, okay. Nepishtim completely rewrote the gameplay engine that would go on that would actually be the basis for the uh, most of the remakes moving forward well a lot of the remakes moving forward um also it recontextualized a lot of the series lore so again this was the one that kind of like was like okay well all of these like individual stories actually they all have they all have one source they all have an eternals if you will um Arkanopistion was originally released for PC in Japan in 2003 and then PS2 and then in globally for PS2 and 05. So this was the first East game to hit North America since Wanderers from East. In uh, so there was a 13 year gap where we had never gotten any of these games. This is pro- so probably the f- the first one most Americans would have Correct. been exposed to because yeah, of how you, widely you spread likely, the PS2 was. Yeah, you likely never played East one and two unless you were like in the in the know in the culture um, yeah in the culture and then wanders from east i think some people probably like that feels like something i would have mistakenly rented at a giant eagle and been like what the fuck is this and never you know mm-hmm. never finished it yeah um Nepishim is definitely like the ocarina of time for a lot of people mm. so since this is like 2003 are we into 3d at the, or well 2005 in the u.s i guess are yep. we into PS2 area. 3d in we are the games are we still like a 2d top-down situation yeah we are thanks for bringing that up this is this is the first so the series would not go fully 3d until east 8 which was released in 2017 god damn Um, much like pokemon but this was top-down 3d sprites okay so much like pokemon yeah Hmm. um or zelda because the handheld zelda games are like that too uh, okay, so then we take a little bit of a, a turn and we go back to East Origin. Now this is this is official canon. This is not a guiding game. This is your this is your prequel. Hey, um, so I mentioned um, every game to this point featured Adol. 
this East Origin to date is the only East game that does not feature Admiral Christian Kristen as the protagonist uh, because this takes place 700 years before the events of East 1. It was about time for that. 700 BC. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This didn't release worldwide until 2012. So this was out in 2006. Um, So it was using the same engine as Nepishtim, but we didn't get it for, for seven years later. Did this? Uh, did that? I mean, I don't know how much you've got into it, but mm-hmm. like, did this one do a bunch of world building, like set lore? We'll get into it. Cool. Yep. Um, okay, and then we've got two remakes. I mentioned them earlier. Um, East: The Oath and Felgana is the official remake of East Three, which is using the Napishtim engine, which is just linked to the past. And then that was released 2010 for the PSP. Mm-hmm. And then there's East: Memories of Calcutta. I'm just going to call it Calcutta because that's better. Um, that is the official remake of East Four which is actually using the E7 engine, which we'll get to in just a sec. That was released in 2013 for PSP. Um, E7 is then the next chronological title in the series. E7 is incredibly infuriating because it's the only game that spells out 7, and I fucking hate it. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. I noticed that in the list. It sucks. I hate it, and it sucks. Is it I have it in my notes. It's really annoying. Nope. <laughs> just... They had to submit the title that day, and everyone yeah. was out of office that understood Roman numerals. 358 over two days, <laughs> guys. Like, <laughs> gross. That's where we're at. Yeah. It's, Andrew, some, it's did, some Tetsuya No More ass shit. Andrew, did you have a PSP as a. I didn't. As a um, JRPG fan? Because that's I where didn't. all the JRPGs were. I know. I, I, I always. It. I kind of always wanted one. Um, I, I mean, I had a PS2, so I got, I got plenty of JRPG action. Sure. But yeah, I never had one. Okay. Um, there, I would argue the like Game Boy Advance at that time had. I was super into like Advance Wars during this point and Fire Emblem. Sure. So I was. Oh, fine. I mean, you had plenty to do. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, did, I had, I had an okay childhood. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Seven's engine, um, Ch- Seven changed up the gameplay form formula once again and created what's basically now the modern East, which is instead of until this point you were just controlling Adol in a very much Legend of Zelda style, this changed it up to be more like a a kind of like a Kingdom Hearts or other uh, action RPG where you have a party. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles, but nobody's played Xenoblade Chronicles, so that's a better analog. <laughs> mm-hmm. But So as starting with seven, you get a party of three members that always includes Adol, and everybody has like unique skills and attributes and all that stuff. So it's using cooldowns. It's that whole thing. It's much more modern take. Um, there's also a Fire Emblem-style weapons triangle. Uh, they do slashing, um, uh, piercing. piercing, and... Uh, uh, clubbing, basically Bludgeoning. blunt damage. Bludgeoning. Bludgeoning. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Clubbing. You know, clubbing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the last two games are current gen games. We've got East Eight, Lacrimosa of Donna. <laughs> what? That's a name. Um, that's a name. Um, East Eight is the one that I played, and I've put forty hours into it. It is fucking phenomenal. It is game of the year for me. Um, wow. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, it was originally released for Vita and PS4. So it looks like trash because it was released, it was made for the Vita. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah. I've been playing it on my PS5 and it looks like a- an absolute dumpster fire, but it is so good. But and it plays it is, well. It plays well. And it is just like, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody, but it is like so 100% my shit <laughs> that it's just like, mm. oh, it, it really got to me. And then the newest title, which actually just released earlier this year, East 9 Monstrum Knox. And that came out for PS4 and Steam as well. So again, you can get all of these on Steam. 
You can get some of the newer ones on Switch, although I would not recommend it. I have heard the Switch versions are pretty fucky. Okay. And Great. some of them are available on PlayStation. But Steam seems to be the like go-to medium for all of these. Um, questions? No, actually. Um, um, so is Yeast, is Yeast 9... Is that PS4 grade graphics or is that? Uh, yeah. Um, and I thought I had another one, but maybe I don't. Never mind. Nope. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's get into the lore. Um, now I'm gonna. I'll be. I'll be perfectly honest. We're not gonna. We don't have. We don't have nearly enough time to do the lore of all these games. That would be way too much content. Um, I'm gonna talk extensively about East One and Two. Um, the information is available and I played it. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the middle uh, remakes because one, and there's just not a lot of information available because again, this is a very like niche series. Um, and I'm also going to talk a lot about East 8 because again, that's the one that I played. Um, but I, again, there. let me be clear at this point, boom, listeners, dear listeners, you are hitting the spoiler wall. There will be spoilers. I do want to say like, if you have any interest in playing these games, just stop the episode right now and go fucking play them. Um, it, it's not like, it's not like a, you have to experience it, whatever, but I'm not going to do the Lord justice because the story is not the biggest reason why you play these games. The story is good enough, but the game, it, it's a, it's a whole package in itself. It's the story. It's the music. It's the characters. It's the way it's presented. So if you have any interest in playing this, just go play it. Um, I will also say, there is not an accepted like you can kind of get in at, at most entries. Um, there are there's a pretty good uh, there's obviously there's a Reddit. I, I also want to uh, cite a work cited here. Uh, so Master Specter linked me to a site that they that they've used. It's called Digital Emelos. Um, it's www.digitalemelos.com, and it is actually just a fan site, a not Wikia fan site for East, and it displays a few different play orders for these games. Um, oh. It's usually recommended to do East 1 and 2 first. Um, that's like the story path. But you can also play 8 and 9, the newest entries, uh, if you're just interested in getting into the series because those are mostly isolated stories and don't and really just like reference the, the world but aren't like continuations of, of other stories. So I went to okay. Digital MLOS just because I was curious what it looked like and I've scrolled down to Merchandise and they're advertising a shirt that says, Say No to Walls. And I feel kind mm. of inclined to buy that, buy that shirt. <laughs> that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, go. Oh, that's fun. Go buy. Uh, go buy their t-shirts. They're they're not wiki. Um, okay, so the story of East One and Two Chronicles. So East starts. Uh, Adol leaves his village at the ripe old age of sixteen in search of adventure. He hears about a small island off the northern coast of a town called Promalok, called Asteria. In your world map, uh, you can find that is. Uh, if you go to image, uh, four, it's four for you guys, but three for the listeners. Um, that will be, you can see a little, a little blip north of Promalok, north of Gilea. Um, there's a, a little blip. You don't even see the island. That is Asteria. So that is where East 1 and 2 takes place. Um, rumors say that the island Asteria has been overrun by monsters and it's been cursed. But no, no one has been able to get in or out for months due to a massive, a massive storm wall. 
encircling the entire island. So Adol says, fuck it, and sails a small boat right into that storm wall. So as this is the protagonist as does. does. As you do. So this is kind of the British Isles, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, obviously, his boat gets fucking wrecked, and Adol is hur- hurled overboard and washes up unconscious on the shores of Hysteria. Um, he's nursed back to health by a friendly townsperson in the small town of Barbaro. Um, Adol is then directed to a fortune teller in the nearby town of Minia named Sarah, um, who is uh, basically says that she already knows who he is and explains that he must be the fiery-haired swordsman from her visions and that he will play a key role in Asteria's fate. Again, this is 1987. Sounds Storytelling right. is... Yep. We got it. Yep. yep. King so the fortune. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so the, the fortune teller tells, tells Adol about the ancient kingdom of East. There it is. Said the name of the thing. Matt, can I get can I he get that claim? the name of the movie. Thank you. Um, East was a magically adept kingdom that prospered. Uh, that's said to have prospered right on this island of Asteria over seven hundred years ago, but one day vanished. I.e., ancient East vanished. Um, the kingdom was protected by two goddesses and the six priests who followed those goddesses, and they kind of like ruled over the kingdom. Um, all known information about the kingdom's rise and subsequent fall is said to have been chronicled in the six books of East each of which was penned by a different priest and serve as our game's MacGuffins. Ah. Um, also, while there, Adol meets a, a young troubadour named Rhea. Um, Rhea is looking for her silver harmonica and, wor- and is worried that it's been stolen. Among a, uh, She explains there's also been another series of thefts lately, and, and eventually you find this all points back to a strange man in a black cape. As all so, bad things right. do. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Again, storytelling in 1987. We've got we've got our protagonist, we've got our MacGuffin, we've got our potential antagonist, right? So Adol sets off on his quest to find these six books of East to hopefully find the Lost Kingdom and hopefully free the island of its monster curse. Um, his first stop is the shrine north of Ze- uh, Zeptig, which is the third and final town you go to because it's a very small game, uh, where he finds a mysterious girl with blue hair locked in a cell. Who say it with me? Has amnesia. The power of friendship. Oh, oh yeah. It's the other one. That's it's the other it. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Um, the amnesiac's name is Fina, and the only thing that she can remember is that a man in a dark cape put her there. Yep. At okay. the <laughs> yep check. Uh, at the bottom of the shrine, he also recovers the first book of East, and image five is of Fina. Oh, she's cute. Yeah. Yep. She's our cute anime amnesiac girl. Hmm. Um, when Adol returns to town, uh, he's informed that the fortune teller was, teller was straight up murdered by, say it with me, a man in a dark cape. The power oh. of friendly. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> he's also informed that uh, he's also given the second book of East, which has had been safeguarded by Sarah, the fortune teller, who was murdered. Oh, these so MacGuffins are two. just falling down. Like I said, yeah. this game took me eight you, hours to beat. You, it's not you very get, long. You get your first couple MacGuffins easily when... When you're you chasing gotta, MacGuffins. The first gotta, two Infinity Stones were on, were on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get the, the first taste has to be first, easy. Otherwise first taste is always others. free, baby. Yep. That's right. That's right. Uh, we Adol is then directed to a mine uh, within a ruined village because, of course, he is to find the third book. So he gets the third book at the bottom of a mine. So now we've got, first, we've got the first three books. Um, this is where the game kind of gets a little moving. bit. moving. We're moving, yeah. Um, this is where it gets kind of interesting. So instead of like going to three more temples, the remaining books are actually in one place. 
Nice. That's convenient. Pretty rad, actually. Yeah. Uh, So that's kind of like the first major major cliffhanger of the game or major half of the game. So before, after those three books, Adol gets a translator in the form of one of the descendants of the six East priests. This one is Tova uh, or a descendant of the priest Tova. You don't have to remember the names. Um, each, each book, different one book, one priest, each have descendants, yada, yada, yada. Um, sure. Hey, guess what? We're going to meet all the descendants. Cause of course we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, <laughs> The books, then, they kind of string together the, the lore at this point. So we learn of the creation of a precious metal called Claria, which Vibranium. created... Adamantium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I told you, it's the MCU. Um, this created a booming economy for the kingdom, as it does. Mm-hmm. And also, as it does, uh, hordes of demons attacked and drove the citizens into the nearby Temple of Solomon. Okay. Um what happened was the twin goddesses, remember I said there are two goddesses, six priests, the twin goddesses disappeared one day from the shrine and fended off, fended off the demons and were never seen again. Uh, after this happened, the priests wrote and imbued six books with magical powers in hopes of leading one day leading a hero to find East should they need their hides saved again from demons. Um, they also figured out that the Claria, the Vibranium, was what triggered the attack. So they buried whatever of it they could. Okay. Hmm. Now, what happens when people bury mysterious or mystical artifacts, guys? Bad people come bad, for bad them. Bad things happen. They get in, dug up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They get Jumanji'd. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the jungle, you must wait till the dice read five That's or eight. Right. That's right, baby. So uh, I mentioned the rest of the game takes place in one location. So Adol is then guided to the massive Tower of Darm, which is, they do this really cool thing. Like in the remakes, they they redid all of the backgrounds. So in almost every uh, zone scene, you can see this massive tower, just like skyscraper. Like you can even see the top of it. It just reaches up to the clouds. Um, and you're like, what the fuck is that? This is the Tower of Darm. This was said to have been built by the demons. Um, and they don't really know why. It just kind of exists. Uh, yeah. So there, so everyone says like, well, the rest of the books must be there because it's a tower full of monsters and you got to go somewhere. <laughs> it's a tower full of demons. Where else, yeah. where else would we, we go? <laughs> we ran out of town, so I guess you got to go. <laughs> so uh, Adol begins climbing the way through the tower. And uh, the third uh, song cue that I've got on here, which I will, we, will, we will inject here, is the absolute banger of a theme song that's playing during this whole, this whole dungeon. Um, so there's a there's a couple major points here. Um, the first point within the Darm Tower, uh, very quickly, uh, Adol gets taken out by this magical glyph trap and is thrown into a prison cell. Um, he's kind of just standing in this prison cell, and like there's you're just kind of you spend like a minute walking around, and all of a sudden you see the wall explode, and <laughs> <laughs> this dude named Dogi shows up, literally having punched a hole in the stone wall, nice. and he's on inner six. Yeah. He's just like, hey, I'm Dogie. <laughs> and he's like, people call me the wall smush, the wall crusher. And like, you sure How are. Convenient. <laughs> um, Dogie's your bro. Dogie's your best friend. And Dogie's actually one of the few recurring characters throughout this series. So Dogie, which is really cool, is Dogie was in it shows up in East Eight. I had I played East Eight before playing East One. I had no idea who this motherfucker was, but like they were already friends. So by the time I played East One, I was like, ah, it's <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah, so Dogie's your bro. 
Um, Dogi is there because he's part of this group of good guy thieves um, that are ransacking the place. Um, so there's this whole side quest where, or this side side story where all of the silver, all of the town's silver is gone, and they think it's they're like, oh, it's the band of thieves who lives up no, up north. And then you talk to the band of thieves, and he's like, oh no no, we're like Robin Hood thieves. We don't do that shit. <laughs> and you're like, all right. <laughs> The, um, the Guardians so Dogi, of the Galaxy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Dogi works for the, the Robin Hood Thieves. Um, so that's fun. So Dogi's like, hey, you got to go up to the tower, do the thing. So you do the thing. Um, so you keep climbing up the tower. You get two more books along the way. Um, so now we're at five out of six. Um, eventually, Adol meets up again with Rhea, who was the troubadour, who was looking for the silver harmonica. Um before she was wearing a cloak, so she obscured the blue hair and the fact that she looks just like Fina, the other girl that you rescued. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that says, oh, hey, there's probably something more of this girl than she's probably just not a troubadour because she got a whole portrait in the cutscene. So she's probably <laughs> more. Um, so she says, for she's let herself get captured because she knew that's the only way that she could catch up with Adol. Sure. Um, and then she gives you a magical monocle that allows Adol to read the East books for himself. Because oh, neat. Because you can't you can't leave the tower without getting it translated. So it's, uh, uh, it's uh, Joseph Smith, the yeah the Church of Latter Day Saints. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, this is the Joseph Smith of JRPGs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so game is the game. The game's final uh, final climax is Adol reaches the twenty fifth floor of the tower and encounters the big bad, the man in the dark cape, the evil sorcerer who reveals himself to be. Wait for it. Dark fact. Amazing. Okay. Good. Dark fact is image seven here, and he looks like the bad guy in a 1987 fantasy game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it yep. looks like a Yu-Gi-Oh card. <laughs> yup. Looks like a Yu-Gi-Oh card. <laughs> so Dark Fact is actually a descendant of one of the six East Priests, Cain Fact. Oh. So Fact is a surname. Yep. Fact mm. is a surname. They must Which have... means. They must have had some expectation when they named their child Dark. This <laughs> <laughs> is definitely uh, one of those things they could just pigeonhole him for, yeah. for career choices. Yeah. So Adol defeats Dark Fact in an incredibly frustrating, infuriating boss battle and uh, recovers the sixth and final book. Is the boss um, battle also the bump system? Yeah, it Ooh. sucks. The Ooh. whole game, th- th- that's the one thing about if you're, if, if you're going to play East 1, the boss battles are super fucky. Um, I get what they were going for, but it, like the bump system really works for like for just traversing the world and kind of fighting baddies. It does not work for bosses. It does not work for bosses. Um, apparently, East Two. I haven't played East Two yet. Um, I'm probably going to play like literally after we're done recording. Um, East Two added magical attacks to give Adol some ranged abilities, which I've heard fixes it. But the bosses okay. are still kind of fucky. Um, the boss battle against Dark Fact is so infuriating because every time you hit him, he so he bounces around the screen like a DVD menu logo. Oh, um, no. <laughs> but every time you hit him, it gets rid of a piece of the board. Oh. So oh. you like so you have to be strategic about like where you hit him because you could either like decrease your mobility or straight up just like fall through and like get instant death. Mm, sure. But he's also just like lobbing fireballs at you the whole time. So you're also like manically running around. It's infuriating. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Um, okay. So that's East one. So at the end of East one, you get the sixth book. Adol is then swept up in this white light and yeeted up into the sky, like literally yeeted up into the sky. 
Um, it's we don't really know what happens. There's just like a text crawl at this point, but it says basically the figures of the two goddesses appear in front in front of him. So then we get to East Two. East Two begins exactly like East One. Adol's waking up in a strange bed, being nursed back to health by a kindly stranger. This time, it's a girl named Lilia, and that Lilia is on image eight. She's also a cute anime girl. There's a lot of them. Yep. Um, Adol asks Lilia and the rest of her family where in Asteria he is, and the response is that, what's Asteria? This is the land of East. Ah. So what happened was East is a floating island uh, in the clouds above Asteria and has been there for 700 years. It's a Merlin Merlin story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's neat. Cool. Uh, so nobody in East has ever heard of Hysteria nor the outs- the rest of the outside world. Um, so Adol has, with six books of East in hand, Adol then meets the village elder who advises him to travel to the sanctuary of Toll. Um, there he can find six statues of the priests to return the books. The elder believes that the goddesses have guided Adol here, figures that this will help uncover his purpose for being there. And because he's a good, good anime sword boy, Adol does also things like rescue a doctor from a mine. He finds magical herbs to kill to cure Lilia's chronic illness because he needs to grind them levels because the level cap in this game is level 50. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Adol then returns the books to their respective statues in the Temple of Solomon and gets more backstory. So what happened was seven years, 700 years ago, demons appeared in the uh, in Yeast at the same time they appeared in Asteria. Um, when the the source of the demons is traced back to the time when they the source of the demons can also be traced back to the source of when they used magic for the first time to make east float gotcha so that magic created the demons as a byproduct ah okay so our our not messing with forces beyond our comprehension um storyline trope correct Okay. Um, all magic costs something sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, so that's our that's the story of the game. So Adol needs to defeat the evil at the center of the Shrine of Solomon that will rid the island of demons once and for all. Cool. Pretty standard. So the the next third of the game is Adol making his way through the required fire and snow worlds, um, which <laughs> you are legally required to do in a JRPG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even meets a friendly demon named Keith. <laughs> I, it's image nine. It's Keith the demon. Right. I, I don't know what, what it is about like Japanese properties using the name <laughs> Keith, but it it's really, really funny. It is really that a reoccurring me. thing? Really oh, goddamn funny. There's um tell the me one about that, other Japanese Keiths, please. Um Ameri- if you're a fan of Japanese name? Keiths, American name Keith? three. What's the there's the American character in Yu-Gi-Oh! is also Keith. Um, oh, no. fair enough. Is the other one. And then I don't know. There I, there's a third one I'm not thinking of, but Yu-Gi-Oh! is the one that I, my mind immediately went to. Cool. Very... Let us let let us know in the comments who your favorite Keith is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the last kind of third of Adol's journey through East is mostly just exploring the Shrine of Solomon, but he kind of gets interrupted every once in a while to fix some magical hijinks that's being done to the local residents because they're basically just like, ah, I'm being turned into a kangaroo. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's Bandit the thing that Keith. happens. Bandit Keith is his name in Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Good. 
Uh, so finally, Adol makes it to the core of the shrine, and there he finds the two goddesses imprisoned by magical en- magical energy. Does anybody want to guess who the two goddesses are? We've met them already. Uh, I'm oh, guessing that it is it's Lilia yeah, the, and Fina. It's the, it's the blue hairs. Rhea yeah, and the, the, hairs. the two Rhea. blue hairs. Yeah. Rhea and Fina. Rhea and yep. Fina. Yep. yep. Um, so after they are freed, they explain that their memories, one, have their memories have come flooding back. Oh, we um, got them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, so they, res- they reveal the source of Issa's ancient magical power. It's the Black Pearl. This is our main MacGuffin. The ship from Pirates of the Caribbean? The, the Johnny Depp. <laughs> it's actually ship, connected yes. to the Johnny Depp-averse, yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the priests, the six priests, used the power of the Black Pearl's magic to guide East to prosperity, but as all things does, it came at a cost, yeah, which they're, was the uh, they're, they're skeletons that can't die as long as yep. they have the treasure, yeah. Exactly. Uh, They did the thing with the coins, and uh, each of the priests had a coin. Um, The goddesses had sealed the Black Pearl's magic away, but Dark Fact found a way to call back the demons because he he Jumanjied the the cleric. He He memorized all those dark facts. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that. Uh, So the goddesses tell Adol that they cannot seal the pearl away again. Instead, he must defeat the evil that lies within, and that is. Darm, and that's image 10. Darm looks troubling. <laughs> yeah, Dar- Darm is, is very much like your your Zeromus or uh, your guy at the end of Earthbound. What's his name? Gygus. Gig- Gigaplex? Yeah, Gygus. Oh, neither neither um, of those were for me. I like yeah, this guy's yeah. doofy elephant nose. That's kind of fun. <laughs> it's yeah. like a mole and a cockroach. And well, but it's also but yeah. it's also got a man body carrying a large spear. He's but with short stubby arms. Yeah, he's got he's got big near energy. He's got mittens on his stubby arms. <laughs> <laughs> so big silly badger feet. Um, so as you do, Adol defeats Darm, which ultimately destroys the Black Pearl and the demonic presence along with it. Without magic to keep the island floating, the city of Yeast slowly returns back to the surface to rejoin Asteria and the rest of the world. And everybody rejoices, save for Rhea and Fina, which they go back into goddess slumber for whatever reason. No, so, see ya, bye, bye. Where, where on this map does Yeast land? Right. So going back to that, that is that is still in. We're still in Asteria. That's that okay. little island. That's our British Isles little island. So this is all contained in that one area. And how big is Yeast compared to Asteria? Do we um, know or care? No, it's like, it's a, like a city compared. Yeah, I mean it's a city within a state. So it's like it's like <laughs> Ireland landed back in yeah, the British it's like, Isles. It's like if Columbus one day appeared. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh cool. Okay. So we're gonna go through one more game. Um, and that's East Origin. And and we're gonna do that next because this is stu- this is directly related. So remember I said East Origin, this was the only one that doesn't start at all because that takes place seven hundred years in the past. And now we know why. Because this is the this, this is, is the Halo the, Reach. Is this, is this where they how yeast got yeeted up into the sky? <laughs> is this where yes. they tell us that that the Keyblade is actually an X for for Kai, but it's key? <laughs> That's what this is. I'm I'm you know what I'm going to give you an inspiration point because I'm so surprised. I'm proud that you mem- you remembered that that takes God up space in my it. brain. Yeah, that I could be using for valuable things like loved ones' birthdays. Yeah. Todd, Todd doesn't know some of Shannon's family members' names well, because he knows Kingdom Hearts. That's on you. That's, that, that ain't my fault. I'm, Statue I'm of limitations. Sure that is super on you, but not the point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so East Origin, real quick. I'll just go through the highlights. 
So this is retelling the original demon attack. Um, this begins with the first appearance of the demons in search for that Claria, the vibranium. Um, the demons, as we talked about, the demons drove the island's inhabitants into the shrine, um, the Shrine of Solomon, which is kind of like the top of the island's tallest mountain. Um, once everyone gathered, the goddesses used the power of the Black Pearl to tear the island off of the ground into the heavens, the central part of the island, excuse me, uh, into the heavens. Not, Determined unlike, to- not unlike Ultron in... In <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the Avengers. This is the Age of Ultron of of the East World. I would like a yeast movie, and I would like both Rhea and Fina to be voiced by James Spader. Please, thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, James Spader's uh, Keith the Demon. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the demons determined to breach the shrine built the massive Darm Tower, which is at this point called the Devil's Tower, and waged war on the shrine. So literally like a floating island versus like a bunch of demons on top of a tower. Like, It's pretty Um, rad. Yeah. The the goddesses, as we saw from the books, disappeared in this last-ditch effort to chase the demons off. Um, After after the the goddesses disappeared, the priests of Yeast formed a search party consisting of the city's greatest warriors to find the goddesses and bring them home. So East Origin has you playing through actually two campaigns, each of which starring a member of the search party that's climbing up the Devil's Tower. Hmm. Um, the first campaign is of or the first two campaigns feature Unica Tova and Hugo Fact. These are two names that we've heard. These are uh, the descendants. Priests. Yeah, rela- in this case, related to the priests. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tova's, Tova and Fact are both one of the priests, but these are not them. Um, Unica is one of the priests' daughter. And Hugo Fact is a brother to one of the um, other priests. Now, their campaigns are incredibly important. Important, We're not going to talk about it. But what they are meant to do is to unlock the third hidden campaign. So you've played Hero and Dark Story. Now you get Last Story. And this is of Toll Fact. You've heard the name Toll before. This was the uh, the, the Temple of Toll or whatever. Yes, sure. So Toll Island? Fact. Okay. Island. I forget what, something at Toll. Um, image eleven is of Toll Fact, and he looks very edge lordy. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Sanctuary of Toll is Sanctuary of Toll. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So Toll Fact, who is brother to Hugo and ancestor to Dark, um, <laughs> went went on a kind of suicide mission alongside a man named Saul Tova, which is Unica's father. And uh, together they fended off the demons on the surface while the city was getting raised by the magic of the Black Pearl. Saul was killed, but Toll was kept alive and and ultimately made a pact with the demons to become one himself. So that's uh, why Toll. he's all, yeah, dang it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why he's all, uh, all uh, devil may cried out. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, except the whole time he is a double agent that nobody trusts, except for the goddesses who see through his big ruse. So you fight, you go through the the, the hidden campaign. It's toll, and everyone's like, "Yeah, fuck you, man." Um, oh, so he's demon, our he's our like our John Constantine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the big reveal at the end of Toll's story is that the big big bad responsible for everything is a man named Cain Fact, who is one of the six priests of Ys. Oh. So he was the original sin, basically. Oh. Okay. Um, Cain made a pact with a race of people, a race of demons. Um, and later we will learn that the race of demons is actually retconned to be a race called the Darklings, which is 
different. And uh, <laughs> together, Cain and the demons unleash the power of the demons uh, onto Ys to gain control of the Black Pearl and ultimately all the world's magic, yada, yada, yada. So East Origin ends with the goddesses stealing away the Black Pearl and going into their slumber, which, of course, leads to the plus 700 years where Adol arrives on the island. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. So that's okay. East. That's the story. The, the, story done of the story of East, the place, not East, the franchise. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to cover uh, a couple of the remakes. We're going to cover Nepishtim. And then we're going to cover my favorite game, East 8, Lacrimosa of Donna. Stay tuned. We are back. All right, guys. So we talked about, uh, we did an overview of East. We talked a little bit about the world that was set up in one and two. Um, we spoke We spoke mostly about the islands. So let's cover some of the other places in this world. Um, and I mentioned, actually, let's go back and talk more about the, the lore that affected this world. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk next about Ark of Nepishtim. Now, technically, this is E6, so we're, we're definitely going out of order, but there's reason for that. So as I mentioned when we went through all the games, I said Ark of Nepishtim definitely, like, as the, like, Avengers or, you know, Eternals of, of this series or whatever, it definitely, like, filled in a lot of the gaps and, went and retconned a lot of the earlier games. So I want to actually, I want to talk about the lore that Ark of Nepishtim introduced, and then we'll talk about the games that were the pristine games that were affected by it. Okay. Um, so remember how the entire continents of North and South America are just a scary vortex that is definitely, definitely what our worlds are going to look like in like 60 years? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's jump back thousands of years and talk about why that is. <clears throat> Global warming, so, right? Yeah, it all started in the climate wars. <laughs> <laughs> it all started with... So Ronald Reagan was elected president. Um, <laughs> it's an inconvenient <laughs> truth. <laughs> so it all starts with a race called the Eldim, an ancient race of winged human-like built beings. They look like angels. Uh, who developed this type of ore with magical properties called Emelos. Um, Emelos is... So East did what Marvel did, which said, okay, you've heard of vibranium, right? But actually... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so Emelos is our adamantium. Um, Emelos was created again thousands of years ago. Um, this is like, this is again, this is like because this is a stand-in for our own world. These are your ancient aliens, right? Like this is what we're okay. talking about. Gotcha. These are the forerunners. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Emelos aliens. originally. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done the, we haven't done the Halo flavor text yet. Um, Emelos originally came in three flavors. Uh, red for fire magic items, blue for wind magic items, and gold for lightning magic items. Stands to reason. Um, sure. Each of each of these magical items would be represented in the legendary weapons and artifacts that were seen in past games. For example, in East One, at the end of at the top of of uh, Darm Tower, you get a, uh, a an awesome flaming sword called the Battle Sword. That was later retconned to say, like, oh, that's a red clarion. I was, okay. was going to say, so this is like retconning all of the elemental objects yep. you found in there. Yep. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and all three of those can tie back to other items, that you, other MacGuffin items, mm-hmm. like legendary weapons you get in the games. So, like, okay, cool, fine. 
Um, the Elgin created two more limited edition flavors of Memelos. So we've done kind of like our code red. This is our Baja Blast of Memelos. <laughs> okay. We've got okay. we've got white Memelos and black Memelos. Um, black Memelos contains the concentrated power of all three colors, the black pearl. Ah. Mm. While white Memelos possesses the power to control black Memelos. So White Emelos is the kid that chose his power last on the resort <laughs> on their uh, on the recess. Yep. Uh, game. White, and so White is the the one ring. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, which like again, you can you can make parallels to this all day. Like you've heard mm-hmm. this story. Oh, before. that's all I'm gonna keep doing. I'm not stopping because you <laughs> yeah. pointed that out. <laughs> um the Eldine, much like the kid at recess, the Eldine transferred their consciousness into bodies made of white Emelos so that they could forever maintain control over the black Emelos. Smart. Now, that right there is a real metal Dracula situation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, will this have come out? Yes, this will have come out perfectly. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Eldine lived on the Atlas continent, which would be America in our version of the world, and uh, watched over the Reda, which is a race of elven-like people, along with ancient humans. So on Atlas, you had the Eldine, you had the Reda, and you had just human-ass humans. So again, this is like further cementing, like these are your ancient aliens, basically. Um, the Eldine used Black Emelos to create the, uh, a device called the Ark of Nepishtim, which was this massive computer that was created to house the records of the entire civilization and also to control the weather patterns of the Atlas Ocean. It's the Library of Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, as these stories tend to go, humans do human things and fuck everything up. Ah. Um, so the, the humans, wanting a taste of that sweet, sweet, magical rock juju, uh, try and experiment to create their own Emelos. Now, they were successful in creating the red-blue gold flavors, but just couldn't get the pure black. Instead, they ended up with like an impure, but still potent version they called Ash Emelos. The Mad Cats Emelos. <laughs> <laughs> the Mad Cats Emelos. The humans then entered the required dark science portion of the origin story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and began experimenting on living beings with the Ash Emelos. The resulting effect was the creation of the Galba or dragon soldiers, who were these like hulking, you know, abominations that were bred for war. The orcs. Because again, <laughs> yes, they're orcs. Um, still, still unsatisfied with their uh, Mad Cats Emelos. The humans resolved to get the pure top shelf shit. So a group of humans attempted to infiltrate the Ark and steal the secrets to making the black and white Emelos using their Galba Dragon Soldier army. Their auction, their actions caused the entire structure to go unstable and ultimately flooded the entire Atlas continent and surrounding Canaan Islands. Um, again, because the Ark was created <laughs> to be like a source of weather control. Again, lifted directly from events that have not happened in America yet, but but are coming. Yes. Yep. Um, it's called an arc. I mean, again, that's yep. that symbolism. That that the symbolism is not a coincidence. Uh, okay, so enter Alma, one of the El, the Eldine. Um, she is image. Um, boy, I did not label these very well at all, did I? Um, she is image twelve. That's a, um, a JRPG angel, all right. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, 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 yep. yep. It's um, the boob monster. 
So Alma attempted to hold back the flood by sacrificing herself to create a magical barrier out of her white Emelos body. Uh, this image, I want everyone to just think of it as this way. This was the image that stirred something within me in the Digimon evolution chain. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Oh, that really got me. Um, I was going to say, she looks like Genova from Final Fantasy VII, but that's way better. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, anyway, she creates a levy with herself, and that levy certainly holds forever, right? Mm -hmm. It does, Matt. Good call. Um, Alma, no, actually, it, it does, because Alma successfully stopped the flood from swallowing the rest of the world, but mm. um, was unable to save the Atlas continent. Um, that was completely sunk, uh, completely lost to the sea. So the surviving Eldine abandoned the surface for the heavens, save for three. Two of them, their names happen to be Rhea and Fina. Hmm. Ah. Ah. <laughs> took the remaining black MLS to a small island to eventually that would eventually be known as East. So this was the the big retcon was oh they're not just like weird goddesses actually it was this race of like hyper intelligent people and they're also the reason why all of this magic exists on this world. Yeah, you know, as far as like backfill retcons go, this fits in pretty well. I don't yeah, feel bad yeah. about this. It's, no, I like it. I like it a lot. It's on par with taking Thor as the literal god of thunder and making him an alien instead. Yeah. Like, it's the it, same thing. I couldn't stop. I, I couldn't stop at thinking about the Eternals during this time. Yep. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. like, that was very much like what I, what I, because again, it's like, we're going to get, I, I can imagine we're going to get like the Eternals built Stonehenge and the pyramids. Like, I, I guarantee <laughs> we're going to get that fucking trash. So it's like that. Um, meanwhile, the descendants of the humans that raided the Ark also fled uh, east to Aresia, that's Europe, because they, of course, they did. Um, they would go on to identify themselves as the Darklings, which you've heard me ca- talk about before, mm-hmm. yep. otherwise known as the Clan of Darkness. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, mm. little on the nose. Yeah, little on the nose. Um, this is the group that Kane Fact and Dark Fact would end up working with in in East Story, um, and they end up being kind of the main antagonist in other series entries. So it's like when shit's going down, it's probably the Darklings. I mean, um, with a classic. name like that, how right? How could it not? Yeah. Now there is a, there it is funny in one of the games. I can't remember if it's uh, seven or Calcutta. There is. Oh no, it's in. Uh, it's seven. Yeah. There's a band of Darklings that is actually trying to like atone for the Darklings' crimes. Um, hmm. So like that that's kind of cool. So I mean, again, like the Darklings are just people. But they have ties to demons. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, cool. So Arcanopishum. I don't have much to talk about the actual game itself. The majority of the what to talk about is the lore, the, the ensuing lore. But the actual game events are game. Uh, Adol's ship is attacked by a fleet of Roman military vessels. Remember the Roman Empire? Um, yep. He is forced to sail off course and swept off his ship by a large storm because there's one thing about Adol Christian, Kristen is... If he is on a ship, it will explode. (laughs) Fair. Um, He winds up being pulled ashore by the Canaan Vortex and is found by residents of a Red Ah village. Turns out that land was never swallowed up. It was just living inside the Vortex the whole time. Uh. Um, Adol teams up with a mercenary named Geiss to stop Geiss's brother Ernst 
from unearthing the Ark of Nepishtim and accessing the ancient power. Um, Ernst has gone rogue and has taken a fleet of Roman ships to find ancient Eldine secrets, super Red Skull style. Yep. Um, I want to put it in here again because I think that Kyle had said how, either Kyle or Matt had said how Fire Emblem-y these characters are. Yep. And having never played a Fire Emblem game, you could have put these characters into a slide yeah. and said, is it East? Is it Fire Emblem? <laughs> and, and I would have been wrong. wrong. I would have gotten. I would have the, gotten guys wrong. It's the office meme. It's the same picture. Yeah, yeah. these are the same picture. Like uh, I can't so stress how much this looks like Game Boy era Fire Emblem sprites. Yeah. Like, so w- what we're referring to is our images thirteen and fourteen of Geiss and Ernst. And yes, Geiss looks like your stereotypical mercenary Fire Emblem unit, and uh, Ernst looks like the other mercenary type of unit <laughs> you've got like you've got like down to earth axe wielder and yep. haughty swordsman those yep, are your yeah. two yep. um so ernst the haughty swordsman uh successfully combines all three key fragments to open the arc and dispels the canaan vortex um that also then set turns off turns on its death cycle um <laughs> <laughs> oh no not yep. the as death cycle you, as you didn't it does. put the code in right so self-destruct also activates unfortunately the, uh, because this was a, a JRPG that was made in 2005 uh, the power of the Ark's Emelos also give, gives Ernst cool black anime wings mm-hmm. sick mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Adol has to fight off Ernst before he acquires even more Ark power um, <laughs> meanwhile the Ark is like oh should I do a death again um, so it starts its apocalypse cycle. So Adol has to collect the MacGuffins needed to destroy the Ark's core in time to stop the massive flood. Basically, like what the Ark will do was just like flood the entire world, which remember, that's what Alma, sto- Alma the um, Eldeen stopped. Um, mm-hmm. Adol's actions uh, dispels the Canaan Vortex for good and subsequently frees the Reda tribe from isolation. So oh, okay. the Reda, just like the inhabitants of East, the Reda can now rejoin the rest of the world. Fun fact, this story is actually heavily inspired by Utnapishtim's Ark, which is an ancient, ancient Mesopotamian myth, which also is likely to have inspired the story of Noah's Ark, because the Bible is not the word of God. The Bible is written yeah. by humans. <laughs> yes. yes. Hot, hot take. Um, yeah. <laughs> Especially the, here on this show, where we certainly <laughs> haven't dunked on Christianity before. Um, in the East version, uh, it's kind of a cool twist on this old fable. In the East version, version, you have the gods creating the ark to save the world from a flood caused by man versus the other, uh, versus the reverse, nice. which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, Those good guy gods. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to do the two remakes now. So we've got Memories of Calcutta and Oath and Felgana. Um, I'm also doing these out of order because this is the order, chronological order, that they happen. Um, Adol goes to Calcutta before he goes to Felgana, even though Calcutta is technically East 4. They're all East 4, so... (laughs) I specifically remember multiple, yeah, (laughs) all all of it. Always has been. So, Arkhanapishim, remember, just happened later, but I wanted to talk about that lore because it sets up what happens in Calcutta and Felgana. So chronologically, East 1 and 2 happens one year after the events of East 2 when Adol gets yeeted up in the sky and rejoins, rejoins Asteria. Um, Adol leaves Asteria and arrives in Calcutta, which is in the western region of Ispani, Spain, 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's got amnesia. Uh, of course he does. Uh, <laughs> of course. There's got to be uh, one dang. where they have amnesia. Yep. Um, Adol teams up with a man named Durin and two warriors named Karna and Ozma, um, all of whom claim to have met him before, but he has no memory of meeting them or anything of being on this in this world. Um, he then encounters a witch named Bami, who is controlling local ruffians with these weird masks, a la Majora's Mask. <clears throat> Eventually, gotcha. Adol and the rest of his, his party arrives to the Tower of Providence, which is being run by... Or, which is run by a being who the locals refer to as a god. Heard this before? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out this god is named Eldil, and he is the third of the Eldin. <laughs> Ugh. Mm. God damn it. That, that did it not even, disappear. Didn't even try. Not even come... trying. It's a real, like, Europe, Europe situation. Like, oh, yeah. it's fucking Europe. Who cares? Um, <laughs> Eldin explains that he and Adol have already met, but after a bit goes all Mr. Hyde on him and turns into this black winged version of himself and then demands the mask of the sun before passing out. So, all right, cool. Majora's mask. Um, yep. More masked ruffians attack the village and it's discovered that all of these are copies of the previously mentioned mask of the sun. Oh, they're the, they're the heartless of the mask of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> they're the imperfect copies. Um, Gruda, a Roman general, is actively trying to find the mask to use its power for the betterment of the Roman Empire. Um, he is also being used by the evil version of Eldil, who has at this point been completely overpowered. Um, Adel and company find the subsequent mask of the moon, which they use to cure Eldil of his Mr. Hydeness. And they cast the mask of the the mask of the sun into Mount Vesuvio. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the One Ring, um, El Deal. The really like the, the again. This is very much an isolated story, but like as far as the canon is concerned, the mask of the sun was another relic by, brought by the El Deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The mask of the sun is also tied to this other, um, similar to the Ark of Nepishtim. It was like a glyph. That contained all of the arc, the known archives of the informa- of of that civilization. It was just created before the Ark of Nepishtim, so they're like, eh. <laughs> kind of a kind of a version 1.0, if you will. Yeah. Um, but the the kind of the lasting uh, impact of this adventure is that El Deal, as a god, officially grants Adol the title of adventurer, which therefore. <laughs> The, because the that's a thing that you can do. The legendary adventurer. The yeah, adventurer got, of time. He got knighted. Um, therefore, thereby cementing Adol's place in history as Adol the adventurer. Great. Yep. The hero of time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so next we'll talk about uh, just a couple bullet points about Oath and Felgana. Um, so Oath and Felgana uh, features Dogi, our wall, Dogi the Wall Crusher. <laughs> so this is there's three games, three or four games that all feature Dogi as kind of like a like a guest role. Um I don't think you can ever play him as your party. You might be able to in seven, I'm not sure. Um but Dogi's just kind of always there. I'm very much imagining the like sitcom trope of the like semi famous reoccurring character like comes in the door and the studio audience claps every time Doji uh, comes. Uh, I think you mean crushes up in the game. Crushes through yeah. the wall. Yeah, crushes, in the studio yeah, audience crushes through a wall in the studio audience. Like, he does he does have big Kramer energy. Yeah. <laughs> uh so Adol and Dogi together travel to this is a year later, so Adol's 18 at this point. 
Um, Adol and Dogi travel to Dogi's hometown of Redmont in the in the city of Felgana, which is located in the northern region of Garmin, Germany. <laughs> uh, this game actually takes place after Memories of Cel- of Calcutta, um, even though this is effectively wait shit, sorry. Yes, this game actually takes place after Memories of Calcutta, even though this was the remake of East Three. Gotcha. Okay. So so it goes one, two, four, three. It's like the 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 U two count in. <laughs> <laughs> nice pull. Yeah. Um. When they arrive to Redmont, they meet up with a girl that Go- Dogi grew up with named Elena. Um. She delivers the exposition that drives the plot of this game. Monsters have overridden the land. A nefarious nobleman named Count Maguire is sheriff of Nottinghaming the villagers to straight homelessness, and uh, Elena's brother and Dogie's friend Chester has gone missing. Um, so Adol sets out to do the thing and free the stuff. Um, the big reveal in this one is that uh, the essentially the general. So remember the Galba, the dragon soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forget his name, but basically, like the leader of the Galba. Um, retreated to Felgana. So the big retcon here was like, oh, remember that big dragon warrior that was the big bad in Felgana? Yeah, he's he's that he's that guy. He's that guy. Gotcha. <laughs> so fine, whatever, fine. Cool. Okay. Lacrimosa of Donna. Weird name. Excellent game. So this is East Eight. Again, we are very much going out of order here, but I don't care. <laughs> um. So granted, yes, it's the eighth entry in the series chronologically. This takes place after Felgana. This is the stretch of Adol's trip where he is with Dogi. And, and one of Adol's big thing is he always wanted to get to the Altago, or city of Altago in the Africa continent. That was like the first place that he wanted to go. Um, the like retcon there, or not the retcon, the hand wave there is um, the kingdom of Altago, the Ottomans, were at war with the Roman Empire. Mm. And which which made that travel impossible. So um, a few years later, there is a ceasefire, and and Adol and Dogi take the opportunity to try to travel down to Altago. So that is where Lacrimosa of Donna East Eight starts, um, which is why it's very it's chronologically a little bit weird. Um, however, Adol and Dogi are on a ship. What happens when Adol gets on a ship, guys? Oh, uh, uh, no. Gonna, gonna have gonna have a, a three hour tour situation. <laughs> hey, we sure are. So uh so what happens is Adol and Dogi um get passage on this kind of this passenger cruise ship called the Lombardia. And they get job they get kind of like day jobs as sailors, whatever, just like you know, pit crew. Um, during the voyage, the captain of the ship, Captain Barbados, tells Adol about the mysterious island of Seyren. Um, which is this is the Bermuda Triangle, technically. Granted, like, it's not locally. It's this is where like this is like the like um where Greece is about like um uh the Seychelles about that. This would be okay. where this takes place, but but this is effectively the stand-in for um Bermuda Triangle. Um so because uh Chekhov's Chekhov's say Ren, um <laughs> soon after hearing about the isle, the mysterious island, Adel's like, I want to go there. Well, Adol gets his wish because the chip is attacked by a gigantic kraken. Oh, we haven't we haven't had one of those yet. No, we haven't. Probably yeah. this is uh, this is our this is our Atlantis. Then I would say, um, 
kind of. Yes, I mean, yes, but... Or like well, our Themyscira. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's Themyscira is probably a, a good yeah. analog, yeah. Um, Themyscira is the uh, home of Wonder Woman for people yes. who aren't... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Aren't sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, we do a lot. We we need to remember to do that with Marvel stuff too, because I'll just say like vibranium and assume people know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, Adol awakens on surprise the mysterious island of Seiren. Um, he then meets up with. So uh, I'm going to talk a lot about East Eight because I played it, and I want I'll go through the very very light story beats. East Eight is a 50 plus hour JRPG. It is a chunky game. Um, So I'm going to really glaze over it. Um, East, it's not like East One, which was eight hours. Um, so you meet up. Adol meets up with uh, the noble noblewoman Laxia von Roswell and Grecian fisherman Sahad. Yes, I said Grecian because he comes from the Isle of Greek, and uh, <laughs> and they are represented in images fifteen and sixteen. Um, he also meets up quickly. Up meets up with Dogi and the Lombardia's captain. So together, the five of them establish this makeshift town. Um, to, you know, they have to survive on this island. And the first, like, half of the game is actually really cool. So the first half of the game is just you exploring this island, and you're trying to find castaways. You're trying to basically, like, rescue all of the all of the crewmates from, from the ship. Sure. And there are, like, upwards mm. of, like, 20 to 30 different people to rescue. Oh, um, boy. Gotta go find why, all the Koroks to, to yeah. increase your inventory. The, the reason why this game just clicked with me so much is it's all about exploration. And, and mm-hmm. I, I just absolutely love that. So um, that song plays, uh, Sunshine Coast plays, and you, you're popping, you're on the beach, and you're running around, you're fighting stuff. And <laughs> um, you get, and there's so many checkboxes. Oh, there's, it's just a completionist, like, wet dream. You and get, what does the gameplay look like at this point? Like, are we 3D open oh, world? Yeah. So we're, this is 3D. This, is, this was a, so Lacrimosa came out in 2017. It's got heavy Breath of the Wild DNA. Cool. Um, you okay. can tell okay. it was a, a big inspiration. Um, this is the first fully 3D East game, and this is the East 7 gameplay engine, which uses the three-party system, mm-hmm. the three-party character system where you have different abilities and stuff, and you've got the mm. weapon triangle and everything. And this was the, this was the PSP one, or the PS This Vita. was the Vita one. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. for somebody who hasn't played a lot of, like, JRPG games, mm-hmm. when you say the East 7 game style... How how close is that to Sonic Heroes? Because I've played that, and that's a three-party game, right? And an that's RPG, really definitely, yeah. That fucking got me. Um, good question. So it's, you have, um, it's, I want to say it's like a, like a watered-down, like, God of War, where you don't have, like, you have, you just have one attack button, but you definitely, you do combos. Um, you have different abilities that have cooldowns and like have different resource costs. Um, and then you're going to, you have like a dodge roll. Like it's one of those things where it's, you're going to get hit. You've got like HP, but you definitely, you have a dodge roll. And uh, actually in this one, because it's inspired by Breath of the Wild, you can do a perfect dodge or a perfect block and sure. get like a time slows down. You get extra mm-hmm. damage and all that stuff. So it definitely rewards skill. Um, but it is an RPG in the same effect that you will level up, you have stats, you have equipment. It's very light on all that, though. There's not a lot of menuing. Okay, cool. Um, the menuing comes in the form of a lot of checklists. So you have, like, you have different... Re- the island is spread up, spread about in different regions. There are treasures in each island to get. There's, like, you get a progress bar of, like, you've got 17 out of 17 treasures. You can fill in the map. 
it's all about filling in the map, which like, again, this is why I wouldn't recommend this to everybody, but it's exactly my shit because my favorite thing to do in a game is fill in the map. <laughs> <laughs> it just was, it was handcrafted for you. It really was. Um, so you, uh, so the first half of the game, like I said, you're, you're kind of going through, um, you're exploring dungeons. I, I, probably like Diablo is not a far comparison to this. Um, in that, like, it's like that dungeon crawly hack and slash, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so you're gonna go. You, Adol goes through. He recruits two, recruits two more party members. Uh, images seventeen and eighteen. The um, the very the Fallout Boy singer stand in Hummel. Yeah. <laughs> and stereotypical little girl character Rakota. not Rakata, uh, like the cheese, but Rakota. because <laughs> it's good. definitely it's, spelled like the cheese. It's yep. it's mm-hmm. like the cheese. Um, yeah, it is. Um, Hummel looks like a like a pirate cowboy, and I'm <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, Hummel Hummel's whole thing is he calls himself a transporter. Yep, and he's he like sure does. He, he starts at the whole game like he pretends like he he acts like a criminal. Um, but like the big funny reveal with Hummel is that like this whole time like so he was like he's got this briefcase he's like I have to get this to its designated owner and like that's why he he came aboard the Lombardia um but like it what you come to find is what he was delivering was a jar of pickles that he made himself great perfect <laughs> hummel the is reason, my, absolutely my favorite character now he is my favorite too the reason he's delivering that is because the there was a person on the island that put a note in a bottle and then like set it out to sea and was like I'd really love some pickles and and <laughs> Incredible. And Hummel was like, I will make this my life's journey to deliver this man pickles that I made myself. Great. <laughs> so I really like this art that you have in Imgur, and I really like it because all of the characters are so multicolored. Does that yeah. come mm-hmm. across in the game? Um, the game is very colorful. It, cool. it doesn't, the graphics aren't, like I said, the graphics aren't great because it's made for Vita, but yeah. it is very colorful and I like it. And the art style specifically is, is that is the art style of the, um, of the game. Uh, image two that I have in here as well, like modern Adol is also taken from Lacrimosa. Cool. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, I, again, like I won't, I won't dwell on it too much more. I really did like this game. Um, I'm almost done with it. I'm not completely done with it, but I, I've really enjoyed every minute of it. Um, so the story of Lacrimosa really kicks in about two, a third of the way through. As they are exploring the island, Adol is continuously plagued with these dreams about a woman named Donna. Not Dana. <laughs> Donna. <laughs> um, he's experiencing through her eyes this like life of this technically technologically advanced civilization that also lives among dinosaurs. Oh yeah, there are dinosaurs on this island, and it's awesome. Good. Yes, cool. The like <laughs> it's straight utop- up land of the lost. Yeah, the like utopia dinosaur island trope. I'm mm-hmm. I'm into it. It's great. Um, and you get to fight dinosaurs in like the second half of the game, which is all fighting <laughs> dinosaurs. Sick. Yeah. Um. So at a certain point. Adol and his team discovers a the series of ruins of some ancient civilization. They climb this. You like part of it is like the big thing is you climb a mountain, and then on the other side you're like, oh, there's all these ruins. That's really cool. And then he recognizes this is Donna's world. Donna, meanwhile, is having these strange visions of herself and seeing herself her life through Adol. Mm. Somehow the two are linked magically, telepathically, despite living thousands of years apart. Um, and we learn that Donna's whole thing is she serves as the maiden of the great tree, which is kind of a prophet religious leader in her culture. Um, 
she also happens to be attuned, greatly attuned to their civilization source of earth magic, which they call essence. And Donna is shown on image 19 with two sick-ass scimitars. Those ah, are okay, there's, there's, sick scimitars. There's the horny art. We've been yeah, playing a lot of JRPG, and we hadn't gotten a really horny one yet. Yeah. I mean, Laxia, Laxia def- also fits that bill. She's got shorty short shorts, but Donna definitely, like, she doesn't wear a lot of clothes. Her, Has the boob window, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. her weapons remind me of, oh, shit, I don't even remember what fighting game it's from. I, they're very Soul Calibur-esque. Is that soul what you're ca- yes. Yes. Very soul There's a, a girl soul in Soul Calibur with the yep. forearm blades, and that's... Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, Taki? You talking about Taki? Uh, no, Taki I is side. now. Hold on. <laughs> I can only think of Voldo and Whip Sword Woman, and it's neither of those Ivy. two. Ivy yeah. is Whip Sword Woman. Yeah. You didn't need to say it with that behind your voice, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh I know. I've, it's too long since I've done a... A Soul Calibur episode. I can't do this now. Um, let me. Let's. We'll continue. Uh, so Donna figures out that she is seeing visions from the future, where her civilization of Eternia—that's what they call it—is long gone. So Adol and crew is trying to investigate the ruins. She's trying to figure out through Adol what happened. And we have this situation where she does some fun kind of timey wimey things, where like she'll plant trees. Uh, in her time, to al- because she to allow them to cross like major chasms. Oh, nice! Oh, you cool! Know, time travel is fun. Um, so in the present, Adel and team through that with the help of past Donna, finally reach the center of the Eternian ruins to find da 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 a sleeping Donna. Of course, so she's just like straight mm. up there in the present, and you're like, what the fuck? Um, basically, you learn that. Uh, Together with past present day Donna, then joins Adol and company to unlock the mysteries of what happened to her world or her civilization. Together with past Donna, they discover the secret of the Lacrimosa, which is this otherworldly life and death cycle that was created to encourage evolution between the races. This is Issa's creation myth. Um, in the mm. beginning, there were sentient amphibious races who were lacrimosed into bird people. They then lacrimosed into the Saurians, which are the dinosaurs, um, who then developed speech and evolved into the Eternians, which are Donna's race, which, like, they kind of hand-wavy it. Donna's, Donna's actually, like, two feet smaller than any other person that she lives with among, mm. because oh, okay. they needed it to make sense for her to be in the party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, every, all of the Eternians are, the, like, eight, the, eight or nine feet tall. The chosen one is different. Mm. Yeah, something, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, and then the Eternians lacrimosed into, not into the humans, but actually into the Eldeal. So oh, okay. Eldeal actually are after, um, or El- Eldeen, sorry. See, I even mm-hmm. I do it. The Eldeen are actually after the Eternians. Um, so each lacrimosa is bookended by some natural disaster. The Eternians lacrimosa is a series of comets that blow up the entire city. Because that's how the dinosaurs... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. so yeah, what right. you're telling me, Andrew, is after the climate wars, we'll lacrimosa into something something much cooler than humans. And, and this is... East, East 8 is telling us all that all of this has happened before. Ancient civilizations have already come and gone. This has all happened before and will happen again. Life is meaningless. Eat our Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, all, we all knew that already. So that's East 8. 
highly, highly recommend if if you're still listening, God help you. Um, I definitely recommend checking out East Eight. Um, it's on all current gen. So like I said, you can get it on Switch. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, if you have a PS4, or PS5, get it on that or Steam. Um, okay, East Seven and East Nine are the only two left, and I don't have a lot to talk about with them because I couldn't find much available, and I got really tired. Um, <laughs> classic uh, we ran out of steam as we, <laughs> as we reached the end of this flavor text <laughs> yeah classic us uh so five was never localized i'm not going to talk about it um east seven happens after east eight this is dogie and adel finally making it to the afrocan continent so east seven takes place wholly in the kingdom of altago um which as i said adel had been trying to get to since the beginning of east one um, Adel and Dogi, of course, as soon as they get there, wind up getting entangled with the local police, as one does, and end up in pri- and end up in foreign prison, as one does. Um, Adel's happens. <laughs> Adel's reputation precedes him, though, and they're actually called upon by the fucking king himself to investigate a series of strange earthquakes. Basically, Great. like Adel's Adel's penchant for uncovering ancient cataclysms strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Adel discovers the uh, learns about the immortal beings known as the five dragons. So, according to legend, the five dragons predate the Eldine, but not the Eternians. So, I guess they come between those two. It's the middle matter. step in the the dinosaur yeah, sure. to angel evolution. Sure, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the five dragons are the Earth Dragon, which uh, oversees growth and age. The Flame Dragon, which is power. The wind dragon, which represents peace. The sea dragon represents prosperity. And the moon dragon is global harmony. It's Their purpose... Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I think, the closest tie to your, like, Eastern religion, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, their purpose... Captain <laughs> Planet. <laughs> and Captain Fuck, Planet. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and Captain Planet. Yes, Kyle. Oh, if, wow. if these five dragons combine at the end of East 7... It, well, it, they... Of course... <laughs> Kyle, come on. Of course they do. If there are five elemental dragons, they, there is no other option for them but to combine into one super being. <laughs> oh, man. They're going to they're gonna Voltron up here, Kyle. You know it to be yes. true. So their, their purpose is to sustain and balance all life. The five dragons then establish the five tribes of Altago and are all worshipped individually as gods for those particular tribes. Unfortunately, one of the five <laughs> tribes did the thing, upset the balance, and tried to, in attempt to call forth the wind of destruction, which will summon the root of all existence. Okay. The root but of all existence. The anime, will, anime thing A will, will make anime <laughs> thing B happen. It's the Ragnarok. Uh, yeah. the, this will end all life entirely. Um, Adol then travels to each of the five tribes to receive the blessing of their respective dragon god to become the dragon warrior, aka by, the by your powers combined, I am mm-hmm. the dragon warrior. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> he does this and is successfully able to stop the Dragnarok. Uh, Shut up! Is it really called that? No, that's That's too much. <laughs> that was an editor's note. <clears throat> I mean, this. Listen, we've been calling Germany German, so Garmin, Garmin, Garmin. Garmin. Yeah, GPS. My bad. <laughs> Rome, Rome is, Rom, is Rom, Rom though, and yeah. and Greece is Greek. That's the best <laughs> one to me. <laughs> I wish they would have made yeah. it like Greek. <laughs> <laughs> Greek. Okay, so the last but not least, East Nine Monstrum Knox. So this is the one that just came out earlier this year. Monster Knight in I'm assuming Latin. Yeah, uh, it's, it's called Leighton. 
<laughs> that was good. That was a slow burn. That was good. Um, Monster Knox is the latest in the series, also chronologically the last. Um, so Adol is now currently 24. This all happened again. This all happened in six years, y'all. Yeah, it's wild. Um, Adol finds himself in Balduck in the Gilia region, which is kind of close to Yeast. This is actually France, or what I assume is France, so the farthest removed, like the okay. the, dif- the most different its name. <laughs> um, Balduck is known as the prison city um, due to the large prison that's housed in the middle of the city. Um, also, the fact that it's closed off by these matri- massive fortress walls. Um, not a friend of either ships or cops, um, Adol gets <laughs> Adol gets arrested by some Roman guards and thrown into a Balduck prison. Wait, the, I've seen this one prison. before. <laughs> <laughs> um, while attempting to escape, Adol encounters this mysterious woman with gun. Mm-hmm. I should be clear: guns are very rare in this world. This is still uh, like the 16th must, century. Must be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, who th- this gun turns him into what's called a monstrum, which is an X Man. He turns into an X Man. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing they're doing a, they're doing an X Man. Um, so Adol gets superpowers and the ability to glide in the air like Knuckles. <laughs> Amazing. All right. So this is the this <laughs> is the um probably the Assassin's Creed entry in the franchise. Yeah, pretty much. Um, this also turns Adol into an awesome goth edgelord, and he goes by the name Crimson King, okay, and he dope. is shown on Imsen tw- on Image 20. Dude, yeah. Crimson King fucking rules. Yeah, it man. does. Yeah, it sure does. And he, he's not, like, super, like, there's definitely, like, when I talk about edgelord, like, this is, like, very wholesome edgelord. Like, this is, this is like, the yellow this card is, of edgelord. Yeah, this is your, the like. The yellow card of edgelord. Like, your, your, your early 2000s-ing of an old franchise where it's, belts like, edgy straps. belts and straps, but it's in two. a good way. Yeah. Jack 2, baby. Um, the, apparently, this game is really good. Uh. It it does it like the tr- a couple of trailers that I watch. I'm like hell yeah! I'm gonna I'm gonna play this abs- as soon as I'm done with with uh, Lacrimosa. Um, and then so the whole point of of nine is Adol using his new superpowers has to solve the curse plaguing the city of Balduck and fight all the bad monsters and also probably the cops. So cool, right on. Um, what is this image that you've put in our Google Doc? Oh, well, it's it's Thrax, the bad guy from <laughs> Osmosis Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the third time you've brought up osmosis jones this month <laughs> really i some maybe maybe it wasn't you somebody else i that's not the first time i talked about thrax from osmosis jones like, osmosis jones time. is is semi-trending on tiktok these days mm, as well okay. oh weird i'm, I'm not on that app i just i burned out mm. my tim allen references so i had to move on to bill murray <laughs> Wait, who voiced? Is, did Bill Murray voice the? No, Bill Murray no, was Bill, live action. He was the, Bill Murray he was the is, yeah, he is the that. Bowser of the Bowser's Inside Story that is Osmosis Jones. Who is that reference for? <laughs> for all of us. Yeah. People right. who listen to this stupid podcast, do you know how that's much we fair. talk about Bowser's Inside Story? I, that's fair. That's it's like fair. once a month. <laughs> it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, we also have a picture of the Crimson Chin. Great. That's the real um, Crimson, Crimson King. Yeah. So that's so that's East guys. Um, man, this was so much fun. What? Why? Oh, I don't God. know what that is. Oh, boy. Um, 
Why? Matt, what do you is know this? what it is? Yeah, it's the King Crimson album cover. Yeah, oh, it's it's Crimson. in Court of the Crimson King. <laughs> yeah, well, I, oh, I, my, my dad had um, had bootlegs of Crimson King Crimson, so I've never seen the album cover. I just, I've heard the songs, <laughs> but I've only heard the bootlegs. Um, Andrew, I really like what you did here today. Yeah, it's so do much too. fun, right? This was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. It's solid, and I, not once did we fight God with the power of friendship. I no. kind of want to watch. I want to watch like the anime of this. So there actually there is an anime that I, I, I want to the- take it back. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get my bluff called. So no, I, I next I month when Todd when Todd yeah. does the flavor text on there, the East anime. There is an East anime. There was an anime made in the nineties that um, recounts one and two. I do not know if it's good or mm. not. Um, there are some really good anime cutscenes or animated cutscenes, especially cool. of the older yeah. remakes. That are are legitimately solid. Like you can just you know search YouTube. Um, also again, like I'll just put this out there. All the games are on Steam. Um, listeners, it's too late for you, but hey, you three. Um, for the next three hours, you can get any East any old East game for seventy percent off on Steam. So that's something. Can't, can't play them on Mac. I already looked. Can't play them on Mac. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. I I had a hell of a time doing this. Um, I I'm going to keep playing these games. I are I. Full disclosure: I bought one, two, three, and one, two, three, and four, and Origin, <laughs> so, <laughs> and eight, and I will probably buy nine. So I'm locked if, in, baby. If I can pick up eight or nine on PS4 for cheap, I might, I might poke around at one of those. This looks mm-hmm. fun, and again, I just super appreciate that. Like, more or less, the story is continuous and not, yeah. not like gobbledygook like Final really Fantasy isn't. gets sometimes. And this is. Le- Lacrimosa, Lacrimosa of Donna is a little, it's timey-wimey, but sure. I never once, it's it's certainly no Final Fantasy. Like, yeah. it, it's definitely, yeah. like, it's very, still very grounded. And because it's, because again, like, it does a really good job of mirroring our own world. So, like, everything in this world most, like, has some sort of connection to a myth, a, a, something that you've yeah. heard in other storylines. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is very much, like, it's got the same the same vibe as like an Indiana Jones or a national treasure. Like it's, it's that kind of thing. It's Mm -hmm. very much like ancient, like exploring ancient civilizations and finding treasure and all that stuff. Like it's, it's, it's very much that kind of fantasy. The the names mean something to you, even if they mean something different in the game and like, it's close enough that you, you will connect with it for sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, anything else? Parting thoughts, questions, comments? Yeah, I hated this way less than I expected to. Um, I nice. anytime we do a flavor text about a JRPG or an anime, I just come in mm-hmm. expecting to hate it, which I probably shouldn't do, but I do it anyway. And I liked this. I think really up until you you kind of lost me around Oath of Felgana, but like up until mm-hmm. that, everything was like I was getting it. It was really chronological, and honestly, even. At the end of East Eight, I was I was with you. Um, mm-hmm. Once you get into like seven and nine, I, I got a little bit lost. But like, and mm-hmm. part of that is because I don't really know much what happens. Like, literally, the Wikipedia entry is like one paragraph. Yeah, for so. sure. But just like for me to follow a JRPG storyline through six games is <laughs> yeah, right, incredibly yeah. above average. Like, goddamn. So yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. I liked it. Fun story. Like the awesome. art a lot. Like how colorful it is. Yeah. It's cool. Sweet. Sick. Never going to play it, but cool. <laughs> yeah. Watch a, watch a long play. You can. It's 30 minutes. Yeah. 
Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to Debate This. You can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DebateThisCast or on our website at DebateThisCast.com. One more time, we are changing up our Patreon tiers. If you want to commission a flavor text, yes, that's right. You listening at home can commission your own flavor text. You can make us talk about whatever we want. Maybe if you want us to talk about East Nine Monster Knox, <laughs> and we'll do that it by then. <laughs> I'll probably have played it by then, um, or you know, or or whatever else. E seven, it's fine. Um, go to Patreon.com/slash/DebateThisCast. Uh, that tier is the twenty five dollar tier for twenty five dollars, and when you're at that tier for three months, you will have the option to commission your own flavor text. Boom. So one more time. That is patreon.com slash debate this cast. Until next time, I am Andrew Henderson. I am Kyle Fina. Fee he he Hina Harper. <laughs> I'm Todd. The singular version of East is Oos Thomas. <laughs> and I'm and I'm Matt at home with Paula L. Dean Cole. <laughs> those are all good. I was and I was trying to connect those Paula Dean dots. Yeah, Thank you, Matt. I uh, I had Dogie Hauser MD on deck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing set nerds or just pay me to play more East games. Bye. <laughs>